to everyone. Um, thank you for being here. I know some of you have class, and so you didn't, may not have had a choice. But I thank you anyhow for being here. Um, the title of my talk, Living Life on the Hyphen, I wanted to open by sharing a quote with you from a book I recently read by Brene Brown. The book is entitled Braven the Wilderness. In the book, she says, belonging is the innate human desire to be part of something larger than us. Because this yearning is so primal, we often try to acquire it by fitting in and seeking approval, which are not only hollow substitutes for belonging, but often barriers to it. I chose this quote because this quote is the essence of my journey I will be sharing with you today. A journey as a biracial Caribbean American woman striving and searching for her identity and a sense of belonging. This journey entitled Living Life on the Hyphen is based on originally a phrase that was coined by Cuban Americans as they tried to explain their lives living in between American and Cuban culture. As you know, a hyphen is that dash in between two words. And it goes, it puts two words together that wouldn't on a regular basis be together. So for me, my hyphens are black-white or bi-racial, Caribbean-American. You see, I was born on the island of Barbados and lived there until the age of 21. In fact, all of my family still lives there. I'm, a born and, I'm born and bred a Bajan, as we would say. That's our dialect term, so Bajan. Um, for many of you, if you're not familiar with Barbados, we're in the Caribbean, very southeasterly of the islands. We have about 300,000 people as our country's population. We have, as you would know for islands, our beautiful beaches, our rich culture, food, heritage. And yes, we're warm and sunny all year round with temperature in the 80s. Growing up, I would always wonder, I said to myself, why is it that tourist season was primarily between November and February? You know, I heard people say, well, that's winter, and so that's when the tourists would come here. But I really didn't understand it. Well, I really didn't understand it until I came to school in the US, to Minnesota. <laughs> in November in Minnesota, I said to myself, oh, I see why people choose to visit the islands during those months. So today, many people are claimed to fame in Barbados. Many people have heard of Rihanna. And I like to tell people, well, Rihanna grew up two minutes away from my house. And so many people would have heard of Barbados because of her. Now, in Barbados, I was born to a European Caribbean father, i.e., a white father, and an African Caribbean mother, that is, a black mother. Many people are often surprised to hear that because, yes, the islands are predominantly of African descent, but 5% of our population are white who are made up of some of the former plantation owners, some newer immigrants, and my father's family who were um, indentured servants banished from Scotland to the islands. Well, I was raised only knowing my father's family until the age of nine. Everyone around me was actually different shades of brown, except my father and my sister. My father and my sister had the same pale skin I did, but there was one difference. They're here. Both my sister and my dad had that pretty hair. 
that fine here that you could run your hand through. You know, the kind of hair that white people had. In fact, Dawn, my sister, had flowing silky hair that could sometimes reach to her waist. As for me, I didn't have that hair. As a kid, I would dread having my hair combed. As is tradition with hair, my texture, my hair would be washed every two weeks, and my mother would sit me in front of her on the couch to dry and spend hours pulling and tugging at my hair with a comb to untangle and braid it. I remember so many instances of crying and screaming while getting my hair done because I was tender-headed and it was painful. I remember hating my hair with a passion, wishing it could be like my sister's hair, straighter, softer, pretty. The hair that people always admired, the hair that even my own mother talked about. Well, when I was nine years old, my dad moved back to St. Vincent and the Grenadines, and that's another island. Um, if you've ever seen Pirates of the Caribbean, that's where that movie was filmed. And uh, he moved back there when he was 50 because he retired there to where he was born. So every break from school, in order to see my dad, I would fly by myself to St. Vincent so I could spend time with him. Going to St. Vincent was time I really cherished. I would get to see a side of my dad growing up that I hadn't seen because he had never lived with us. I would get to know some of my cousins, like Melissa and Gary, and hang out with them. We would do things like go sailing and go to the beach. Well, when we would go to the beach, I would always have a dilemma. My cousins would go and just jump in the water and start splashing around the water. But you see me, I couldn't. You see, my cousins had that type of hair my sister had. That silky and fine hair that could easily be washed and combed. And because my hair wasn't that way, I had to be careful not to get my hair wet. In fact, I was supposed to tie it down to keep it dry. Do you know how restrictive that is as a kid playing in the water, you can't get your hair wet? Well, one day I said, screw this. I wanna wet my hair. Why do I always have to be the odd one out who couldn't play and have as much fun because I couldn't wet my hair? So guess what I did? I wet my hair. Now remember I was only 12 and I couldn't comb my hair myself because it was very thick and unmanageable. My dad couldn't either, and well, none of his family could, be couldn't because they, didn't, they weren't familiar with hair my type. So what did I do? Well, I came out of the ocean, I went back to his house, I washed my hair, and I left it. Well, with hair that texture, you can't just wet it and leave it. If you do, you're making it worse when the time comes. Well, guess what? I flew back to Barbados and I had to sit in front of my mother again for her to comb my hair because it was so badly tangled and matted. There was one time in St. Vincent, I remember, I was there for a few weeks and my father had gotten Lorraine, she was a friend of the family um, who worked at a spa to do my hair for me. And I was, as I was sitting in the chair with her, I said to Lorraine, I hate my hair. 
I wish my hair was like white people's hair. And she said to me, why? She said, do you know there are so many things that people with hair like yours can do? You shouldn't think like that. In my mind, I was like, she's crazy. She doesn't know the pain and agony I go through. I just hate my hair. It was only years later when I began to love myself and my hair that I understood and appreciated what she was talking about. You see, I never thought my, complex my complexion and my hair went together. I was too light or white for the hair I had. I wondered why God didn't give me different hair when he gave me this color, or why didn't he give me a different color if he gave me this hair? I even remember thinking to myself, when am I going to have, if, when I am going to have a baby, if I get my hair relaxed, then baby, maybe my baby's hair will come out straight. <laughs> the truth is, my hair continued to be a symbol of my ongoing struggle to search for identity, belonging, and acceptance. Brene Brown goes on to say in her book about belonging, because true belonging only happens when we present our authentic and perfect selves to the world, our sense of belonging can never be greater than our level of self-acceptance. The truth was, I couldn't belong anywhere because I didn't accept myself for who I was. I was made from two different worlds, and I lived in two different worlds. But it was difficult for me to wrap my mind around this. Everyone around me, including my family, was in one world or another. And as I traversed these worlds, I didn't feel as though anyone could understand fully. And so it was lonely. It was hard. See, Barbados is a predominantly Christian culture. So from a young age, I was going to church. One day, while I was in church, I heard a message that said, God loved me for who I was. I mean, that message had been preached many times in church, but this time I really heard it. There was a verse in the Bible by King David said, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I thought to myself, I am wonderfully made? This began to, sl to slowly sink in, and I said, I Shania, Carolyn, Ravel, Gill, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I wasn't a mistake. I wasn't mismatched. I started to realize God had intentionally created me for who he wanted me to be. For me, that was a turning point in my life. <clears throat> this began to transform who I was. I began to look at myself differently for in my mind, if the creator hadn't made a mistake, then I shouldn't see myself as a mistake. Instead, I should see myself as his beautiful creation. It was now the summer of 2002, and I had just spent a year in Canada on a study abroad program from my university in Barbados. And on my way back home, I had an opportunity to spend a summer in Chicago in the Lawndale community with University Christian Fellowship. In the community, we were tutoring kids and exploring the ideas of racial and social justice. That summer urged me to think even more about my racial identity of being biracial and what that had meant for me. Now, I had started to walk in my faith, and I was starting to feel better about myself, but I was still exploring who I was. 
So as I was preparing to speak today, I pulled out my journal from that summer and was reading entries I had written. And the entry said, I am confused. Why am I confused? My family, my ethnicity, my status. I feel lonely. I feel as though no one wants me. <clears throat> this was the summer it occurred to me that I didn't need to fit into one group or another, that I could live life on the hyphen and be in both worlds. Instead of lamenting on how hard it was for me, I started to pray, Lord, use who I am and what you made me to be to help others. With this, my view started to change. I started to realize I had perspectives other people didn't have. I could relate to both worlds, and perhaps I could even be a bridge to both worlds. <clears throat> After that summer, as I continued with this perspective, I went back to Barbados to finish my undergraduate degree in psychology, and then I would move to Minnesota. <clears throat> it was upon this move to the States that I realized that not only would I have to continue the fight for my right to live on my hyphen of being black and white, but I would also have to negotiate and figure out what life was like to be a Caribbean-American woman, an, Im an immigrant to this country, an alien. As a Caribbean-American woman, again, a familiar feeling came about, that feeling of fitting in. Many people don't often hear an accent, and so they assume I'm African-American. I will often have to correct people to say, no, I am not. I am a Caribbean-American woman. As a Caribbean-American woman, right now, my heart is breaking for the hurricanes that have affected my islands. And unfortunately, all we hear in television are about the effects here in the States. I know people in the Caribbean, at home, who are friends of mine, who don't have foods in their cupboards. For me, these aren't just people on TV, but in real life, who don't have anything to eat. As a Caribbean-American woman, I don't know what it was like to grow up in the U.S., but I understand what it is like now to live here. As a Caribbean-American woman, I am now living life on another hyphen. You see, what I learned later as I began to study psychology is that our minds tend to put the world around us, including people and things, into categories we call schemas, right? So for example, my two-year-old Asher and I are sitting on the porch and watching vehicles go by. And Asher sees the vehicle go, go by, he yells, mommy, car. And he sees a truck, goes by, he yells, mommy, car. He sees the SUV goes by, he yells, mommy, car. That is how our mind tends to process. And there's so much information in this world, our brains tend to put things in categories so we can understand the world. Unfortunately, that becomes an automatic process for us. So even as we grow up, we might look at a person's skin and look at their hair and put them into one category and not even be conscious of it. Well, that's the process that's necessary for us to understand the world. It has also been the process that has divided the world and caused us to not fully understand each other in this world. We have put people into categories and we've left them there. Instead of using our schemas as a starting point to learn about people, we tell people, you will fall into our schemas 
And as much as my schema may be flawed, skewed, based on what I see on TV or the two people I know, this is where I will put you and leave you. So people like me then, people who are biracial and can't fit cleanly into one of the schemas that already exist, we are often told you have to, you must choose one. In Hollywood, for example, actresses who are biracial, like Zoe Deschanel, you know her, she starred in Avatar, she's half Latino and half black. She is told she has to choose whether she wants to be a Latino or a black actress, that she cannot be both. Well, it was this belief that I needed to belong to one world or another, that I couldn't be in between worlds because I didn't see anyone else doing it that I continued to struggle with. This world needs more of us who live on the hyphen because I believe that as a hyphen liver, I have a great privilege and a great advantage to be in two worlds, to understand two worlds and to share these viewpoints with others. In today's world, we live in our silos and we don't get to know other people of different races and cultures. For if we get to know other people as truly people, we won't see them as others. We won't dehumanize them and look at them as less than human. We would embrace them and love them. We would enjoy the differences that exist and recognize that our lives are richer and fuller because we all don't look and think the same. But because this is not our world yet, and again I say yet, I look at myself, that person on the hyphen, as being the embodiment of what I want this world to be. And I believe more of us hyphen livers can be bridges to bringing this world together, to allowing people inside our lives to understand and learn that we don't have to live in those boxes or silos we create, but we can live in each other's worlds. I would say, even if you are not a hyphen liver, that you can take the time to understand someone else's world. Be intentional about getting to know people. Be intentional about asking them who they are, about learning about them and not just assuming who they are because of how they look. So you may look at my hair now and say, wait a minute, don't you have dreads? This is the furthest style from being white or having your hair fit in to others. Well, this is true. After I wrestled so long with my hair and that, what that meant for me and my identity, I chose a hairstyle that had to force me to truly embrace who I was. This would be a hairstyle that my mother hates <laughs> because it's not pretty hair and it doesn't easily blend in. But this was a hairstyle that I knew I needed to embrace to become authentically me. So I became authentically me. I embraced living life on the hyphen. So I'm going to end today um, with showing you guys some pictures as I was talking about my family in Barbados. I wanted to show you guys some photos of everyone I was talking about um, as you may have any questions for me. So this is my dad.
moving. Oh boy. So that's my dad. <laughs> Let me see. This is this is me with this is my sister with her hair. This is Barbados. This is me with my dad. This is me, my sister and I. This is me with my cousins in St. Vincent. This is me with uh, primary school graduation, Barbados. My dad, my husband, and my little ones recently. This is my mom and my dad at our wedding. My little ones. And this, I had to put this in. This was from yesterday. <laughs> okay. Are there any questions anyone has? <laughs>